Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The New Statesman. Hello, I'm Rachel. I'm Freddie. And I'm Rachel. And this is the New Statesman's Politics Podcast, almost live from Manchester, where we have gathered at the Conservative Party Conference taking place this week. Uh, today, we'll be discussing, well, the drama of the, the, the first opening day of conference, I suppose. Rachel Cunliffe and joining me are Freddie Hayward and Rachel Wimmer. We're bringing you this episode from the Conservative Party Conference in Manchester from my hotel room which has been turned into a podcasting studio so we can bring you the absolute latest from the chaos, not quite chaos, despondency of this year's Tory party conference. I'm exhausted already, I don't know about you two. Um, Freddie, what's been your highlight so far? My highlight was probably today when we saw Liz Truss do her big uh, growth rally. That's when conference really started kicking off, I think. I think uh, in the previous two days, it's been quite drab and dour and quiet and not much has been going on. There aren't many MPs here. If you walk around the corridors, uh, you will see the ministers, obviously, but many, not many backbench MPs are here. I was speaking to one last night and he's, he came up for a party, but he didn't even get a pass. So he, so he can't come into the secure zone. So um, you're saying a Conservative MP came up here and doesn't have a pass for a Conservative Party conference. Exactly. That's amazing. Uh, quite a few of them won't come just because it's uh, so expensive. But yeah, it's, I think it's it started to kick off a little bit today. We've had some uh, rebellious talk from people like Jake Berry about tax cuts. We had, as I said, Liz Truss's big speech. Rachel, you were at the, the rally. What was it like? I was. So uh, this was the Make Britain Grow Again rally. You can see what they did there. It was due to kick off possibly at 12, possibly at 12.30 varying uh, information from various sources but the queue started forming at 11 and it was packed uh, it was uh, basically standing room only for journalists journalists were told you were absolutely not allowed to sit down and this room I think it had capacity of about 300 it was packed and I heard that they had to turn 200 people away so huge huge appetite to see Liz Truss I should say that it wasn't just Liz Truss there was uh, Ranil Jayawandena who is uh, another one of the the pro-growth Tory MPs. There was Jacob Rees-Mogg and there was Preeti Patel. And Liz Truss spoke first. And as the others started to speak, maybe people started to drift away slightly. But certainly when she was speaking, it was full. Nigel Farage was there. I was going to ask him how he felt about being top of the New Statesman's right power list. I think he liked it. He tweeted it out. Yeah. So, um, But he, he had his own little club around him, which I think is interesting that obviously he's at Tory party conference speaking to trust and then she finished up 
just before Jeremy Hunt did, did his big speech. So I think the timing of that was not a coincidence. The most interesting thing to have happened so far is definitely Liz Truss turning up and just the just how popular she is, how how big a draw she is for everybody. It kind of the impression I've got so far is like apart from it being like really, as you say, kind of kind of dead and not very many people at most of the fringes or what have you, is just like the party's in complete stasis. So it's like it's looking for the answer to a question, but kind of doesn't know quite what the question is yet. So and I think it, it's pulling in a quite a few different directions, but doesn't really know which way to go because it doesn't know how or why it's lost the next general election yet. Yeah, it feels like when you walk, walk around conference, you're at different political parties' conferences. It really does you feel are like that, doesn't Liz it? Liz Truss's rally, 10 minutes later you're at Jeremy Hunt's speech uh, in the main conference hall where he's talking about freezing civil service hiring, he's talking about benefits um, and increasing the sanctions on those who won't go to work. He, for some reason he said that the their big policies that are going to increase the minimum wage, which next year, which basically happens every year anyway. Um, but they're completely different atmospheres. I don't think um, Jeremy Hunt even spoke about growth that much. He spoke about productivity and he spoke about public service reform, but growth wasn't at the centre of it. And then an hour later, I went to the the New Conservatives, which is a, another one of these factions within the party. And there was Jake Berry there, Danny Kruger, who's one of these National Conservative MPs, Jacob Rees-Mogg turned up. And it was remarkable because Jake Berry was sat um, on the stage and he's a former chair of the party. And he's said that we've got this new tax pledge, which basically means that around 30 MPs have signed up to this thing where they said they will not vote to increase taxes in Parliament. That's basically threatening rebellion against the the Chancellor at the next budget if he does try and increase taxes. And then there was um, Jack Elson from the, the Sun asked a question well, what would happen if the chief whip came to you guys uh, before the budget and said, well, if you don't vote it through, we're going to kick you out. And Jake uh, Berry just said, well, I think the chief whip will realise that there are 33 of us and if he does so, he loses majority. majority yeah. That is remarkable. That is, that is remarkable. It just speaks to the divisions within the party and the lack of authority that Rishi Sunak has. It is remarkable, but it's, always, it's also like where you, where you might expect a party to be when it's this unpopular, when... Yeah you know, your leader doesn't have very much authority. It's kind of, as I said, just everything's in stasis. It's not, nobody's really leading it. Rishi Sunak's gone for a core vote strategy. So he's, you know, Hunt's speech speaks to, you know, clamping down on welfare again, you know. Um, there's, there's, they're not doing much reaching out, basically, to a new base. They're just... I no, mean, they're just hitting much, these chords that they yeah. think, ah, Labour aren't good on benefits. Are they? People don't like people... You take benefits, let's go for that. Oh, let's go for growth, let's go for inflation. It's completely incoherent when you put it all together. They're grasping at different things that they think uh, will turn the polls around. I wanted to ask both of you because you were both at Tory party conference last year. I wasn't. Last year was obviously the, the chaos of the, the, the Liz Truss administration. What was the mood like then and how is this different? Yeah, I remember recording the podcast in a stairwell in the conference centre with people storming past me and I was trying to speak into my As laptop. opposed to in my hotel room yeah, with me sitting on my bed. Way, way more civilised, <laughs> way more civilised. I mean, it was absolute chaos. Uh, the atmosphere was anarchic. You had cabinet ministers going from fringe to fringe, undercutting Liz Truss. Michael Gove made it a yeah. mission to bring her down. I remember I spent about six hours one day, great six hours, following Michael around, Michael Gove around, from event to event. And he was just building up this case against Liz Truss. And it's interesting because it speaks to some of the divisions that we're seeing now. I wrote Morning Call this morning on the fact that Rishi Sunak's sort of alone amongst all of these parties. He doesn't actually 
uh, relate or belong to either one specifically. So you've got Michael Gove. I would argue people like Danny, Danny Kruger, even though he is sympathetic about cutting taxes, people like Nick Timothy, uh, Theresa May's former chief of staff, who's standing for election, who are more of the culturally conservative, communitarian, uh, skeptical of some of the excesses of capitalism, uh, that side of the party. Then you've got the Drussite side, which we spoke about earlier. Rishi Sunak doesn't really fall into either one of those categories. Um, he's he's too free marketeer for the National Conservatives. He's not cutting taxes. He's too fiscally conservative for the, the trust sites. So he's getting lost and you can't really see uh, how it's his party anymore. There's this question of what is Sunakism, which, which I've been asking people and no one seems to know the answer to. If you're an ambitious future leader... His job's basically to lose the election at this point so you can get on and building your campaign because nobody really here, no activist that I've spoken to has any true belief that they're going to win the next election. That does weird things to your movement internally. You know, I mean, the entire two days that I've been here so far has just been dominated by talk of who's going to be the next leader. And? And? and, and go on, tell us, Rachel. <laughs> who's going to be the next leader? I mean, I think probably Kemi Badenoch. You know, that feels like where she's placing herself at the minute means that she would re- she would appeal to most. She'd have the broadest appeal. So I went to two fringe events last night where she spoke at both of them, the Centre for Policy Studies and the uh, IEA, TPA, sort of right-wing think tank one. And she was at both of them. She uh, was very positive about GB News. She slammed councils that implement the four-day week. She talked about house building. And what she basically did was talk about her CV. She talked about you know, I'm business secretary now and I was international trade secretary and I did this and obviously housing is part of that and obviously healthcare is part of that if you want a strong labour market. And, you know, I've done this, this and this. And it was very obvious the kind of pitch she was making as somebody who has, because she's relatively young, as someone who has the experience to take over. And I had uh, some people behind me who went, it's got to be Kemi, it's absolutely got to be Kemi. And then in the next event I went to, I had some people behind me going, oh, dear God, not Kemi. So <laughs> she's definitely, I think, top of everyone's list as a contender, but she's not as well-liked everywhere, I think. After the break, we will discuss the infrastructure elephant in the room, HS2. If you're subscribed to The New Statesman, you can get all of our episodes ad-free on The New Statesman app. You can get it on both iOS and Android. Just search for New Statesman on the App Store or Google Play Store. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. So the other big talking point today is HS2, will they or won't they? It's, it's kind of ironic that we are in Manchester and the big topic of discussion is will HS2 run to Manchester? And the vibes we're getting are probably not. Is that fair? Well, it seems like it's going to be decided at a cabinet meeting tomorrow, but that the PM's pretty resolved to go ahead with scrapping the northern with the northern leg. It's kind of chaotic how it came out, which says something about where the operation is, I think. So how did it come out? Um, so you've seen the report speculation for last week. The Treasury um 
spokesperson basically in, in one of the briefings kind of repeatedly refused to deny that it was going to be decided tomorrow. But it's like such a big deal. Although I think for, for a couple of reasons. The first one is is that although HS2 is not a beloved project, no one like has taken HS2 to their heart, I don't think. And that's borne out in like some of the polls. But I also think that it's kind of symbolic about the government's like inability to do stuff. It's symbolic in terms of how much it has potentially betrayed the North. It might be seen as a betrayal after it was such a big deal, levelling up was such a big deal at the last election. But also just internally as to how many people Rishi Sunak's prepared to burn to, to, to go for this policy. They include David Cameron, Theresa May, Boris Johnson, um, as well as like a load, just a load of Tory MPs and loads of them which have red wall seats. But I think the reason he's doing it is because it's kind of like almost copying Keir Starmer's approach to, to leadership in that like a bit of conflict with your own can clarify your position and can clarify your political brand. I do think that's part of the reason we've seen a minor bounce in the polls in the past week or so is that Rishi Sunak's finally talking about something beyond the five priorities that um, that they've been talking about for about a year now. But I agree, it's a huge decision about the future of the country. Um, the sad thing is that it seems to be partly because of political reasons that they can free up these billions of pounds and invest it into short-term uh, programmes for buses, something that they might uh, eventually see uh, before the election. Uh, but from Labour's perspective, I also think it's really interesting in part because they've not said that they're going to commit to it um, if it is scrapped. And if they did want to commit to it, now that the government, or now it seems likely that the government will scrap it, they're going to have to find all of that extra money, which they're not going to want to do. Um, so it will free up a lot of money for Labour as well to fund some of the other promises that the Shadow Cabinet desperately want. But if the Conservatives and the government do scrap HS2, I can't imagine Labour are going to turn around and say, you know what, we're going to spend the extra billions that it requires. It is sad, though. So I was wandering around Manchester, which is really beautiful. I was being guided around by someone who grew up here. Beautiful old buildings and the library. And it was sort of pointed out that a lot of this was built by Victorian industrialist Conservatives and that Conservatives back then meant you built stuff and you built stuff for the future and the productivity of the nation and you were proud of it and you said let's build these railways and let's make the country better and we're we're conservatives that's what we're going to do now maybe that's a really romanticized view of what the victorians were like but the victorians did build stuff and um this this guy was just sort of in despair that we seem to have lost the ability to build anything what have we built over the last 13 years that we can kind of pass on to the future. I mean, Crossrail in London, that's quite nice. That's something that was massively <laughs> over, over budget and delayed, which I think is now broken even and paid for itself just a couple of years in. This is my pro HS2 balance bit of the, the podcast. Yeah, I think it's interesting when you look at how we view public finances. Um, one of the most interesting things that Jeremy Hunt alluded to in his speech, amongst all of the civil service bashing and the, and the stuff on benefits was that he wanted the Treasury to take a longer term view of investment. That's something that Labour is also talking about. If you go into their fiscal rules document, it's one of the key reasons to hope that they'll take a, a longer term view of public finances. So there is a convergence uh, between the two parties on that. And then we have HS2 as well, which completely goes against that. And it also again, it completely goes against the, the mantra of their 
um, party slogan here at conference, which is long-term decisions for a brighter future. Which is a terrible conference slogan. It is. We, it's I hear it said in Rishi Sunak's voice whenever, whenever I hear it. Which... It's got a hyphen in it. You shouldn't have a party conference slogan with a hyphen. Well, I was just going to sort of be for all Boris Johnson for a moment. You could say what you what, say what you like about Boris Johnson, and we all do. We all do. But he had ambition in that respect. He kind of stuck by HS2. Was very very ambitious on climate change, and I think one of the reasons why the mood is a bit dull this week is that there isn't that like hopey changey kind of vibe to the place. Like Rishi Sunak does not inspire that in people. No, and you've got to look at the policies that he's chosen to try and to inspire people. We had the net zero announcement. A unified parking app for up and down the country. Does that not make you feel inspired, Freddie? A parking app for anywhere in the UK. 30 miles per hour speed limit. 20, 20. No, to get rid of the 20. Get rid of the 20, hour, 20 30 yeah. 30 mile an hour in some places. Drive your car at 30 miles an hour anywhere you want. Yeah, Even right. though his council is bringing in a 20 mile an hour speed limit. It is a bit like a, a council <laughs> Why leader's Why do you pitch. hate the motorists, Rachel? Why do you hate the motorists? Yeah, I am one. I mean, like... You know, yeah. Right, so most people outside of London, they drive. So that's just... Some, a... people, some people in London drive. I drive. I drive. Well, there you go. But um, it's just quite a small coalition. And if we look at the purpose of the reset, what we're currently in with the net zero announcement and what have you, the whole point was that Rishi Sunak was supposed to set out what country he wants to build in five years' time. Under that rubric, he's now talking about speed limits. Speed limits, um, essentially cutting back on ambitions and cutting back on, on spending. It just, yeah. You, you can't know. really have a, a vision for the future by just criticising the past. But he's going for core vote. He's going for, he's going for the Conservative Party's core, core voters to, to make sure they can hang on. Big things to look forward to. On Tuesday, Sonia Bravman is doing her big speech. Rishi Sunak's yeah. is on Wednesday, although quite a lot of people will be heading home on Tuesday night because of the train strike. If you do stick around, I will Wednesday be there. Day, I'll be there. Freddie will, Freddie will be there. We'll be get covering it, uh, and we'll be discussing those in more detail in the podcast on Thursday. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to submit a question for us to discuss on a future podcast, you can do so at newstatesman.com forward slash us. If you're listening on Spotify, just scroll down on the episode page and type your reply. Or if you're watching on YouTube, just leave a question in the comments. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Rachel Cunliffe, and my colleagues, Freddie Hayward and Rachel Wilmer. We'll be back on Thursday to report on the rest of this year's Conservative Party Conference. This episode was produced by Catherine Hughes.